Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. this word to our lives today and I know that while we're going to be making a familiar journey through some familiar scriptures talking about a very familiar individual that God can yet again anoint his word afresh in our minds and our hearts afresh and that's what I want to see happen here this morning. I want to make mention before we begin that on uh, the very first Sunday of November we're going to have some special guests with us, Brother and Sister McGuire, Kelly McGuire, and Dawn, Kelly and Dawn McGuire from the city of Lakeland. They have pastored there a number of years, and uh, we have been friends for a long, long time, and I have asked them to come and be with us on that weekend, and uh, they're going to be uh, speaking to our leadership in the course of that weekend on that Sunday morning during our first service and then preaching for us in our second service, and uh, I'm looking forward to some good things there. And uh, when, when, um, when good people come along in your life, you just want to share that with everybody. And uh, they're just quality people, and, and we're going to be better for having had them in our presence here this morning. Amen. So if you will look forward to that, that's a month away. But if, if you're like me, if you just blink a couple of times, it'll be here. And uh, so we'll just talk about that now. And that seems like a long way away, but in no time... They're going to be here. Let's pray and ask God to touch his word. Can we do that? Lord, we love you today, and I'm asking you this morning to just let your spirit strengthen us. I pray today that your blessings will just be upon uh, this service and our efforts toward this service. I pray for our Sunday school teachers and students today alike that they will, that they will be inspired of you and that the word will be planted deep in their heart. I pray for us in this in this service today, Lord, in like fashion, that your presence will touch us. In Jesus' name, amen. You, you can be seated in the fear of the Lord. I want you to turn with me in the book of Genesis, and uh, we're going to go to the 41st. We're going to go to the 41st chapter of Genesis, and, uh, and from this passage of Scripture, we're going to just step right into the middle of what is a fairly familiar story for most people. I don't want to be presumptuous in that, and so in just a few minutes I'm going to give a little summary or a recap of the life of the man we're going to be talking about today. And so at the center of our story this morning is going to be a man that we have affectionately come to know as Joseph. And uh, I'm just going to be honest with you today from my heart. I never weary hearing the story of Joseph, reading about it, preaching about it, uh, just whether that's studying from the literal book, uh, the Bible about the life of Joseph, or reading books that refer to the life of Joseph. There are just so many rich, rich nuggets in this story. And, um, and so it's, it's just a good favorite place, a good among my favorite places to go. I'm going to begin reading... My actual text today is going to come from the 37th verse, beginning there at least. But the scriptures that lead up to this particular text find Joseph being led out of prison. And uh, Joseph has had some, some very uh, tremendous things, serious things that have happened to him. He's been sold into slavery and all sorts of things, lied on, cheated on, spat on. <laughs> and uh, now he has in, been imprisoned. And uh, he, had, he had been forgotten even while he was in prison there, had an opportunity to get out. But uh, so we find him now being let out of prison. He has an appointment with Pharaoh to interpret 
a dream or, or some dreams that Pharaoh had had that had really troubled him. And so at first glance, it doesn't seem like much, but it's, it's certain victory for a man that had been so faithful. And so today, what I, I really want to talk about, while we're going to be using Joseph as the centerpiece of our discussion, what I want to talk about today is really faithfulness and what comes our way by just remaining righteous in all situations. And so uh, my subject this morning is simply this, dividends of righteousness. And uh, it's, it's always right to do the right thing. And, uh, but when we just remain righteous and let the Spirit of God really be the voice in our life and the wind that sets the course of our life, there are certain dividends. There are absolute dividends that, uh, that flow back into our life. And so if we look at Genesis 41, 37, the Bible says, And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And we're talking about a man who just, the other chapter of his life, was a condemned prisoner. And uh, he, bears in his, he bears in his body the marks of his past. I think everything about the countenance of Joseph, no matter how we may envision him later in the story. But at this particular moment, I think everything about the countenance and the vocabulary, everything about him would give way to the markings of where he had been. Amen. He had been through a very traumatic series of things that had lasted a number of years. And uh, that's, that's a little hard for us to digest because we feel like we can endure something if we just knew what was going to end next Saturday. And if we, if we thought by Thursday at noon it would all be over, but Joseph endured all these things for a, a total of 13 years. He had been faithful to God through some of the most difficult circumstances. And now we see him coming out of this horrible pit, as it were, and uh, about to receive his reward or his prize, hanging on to what is right in the face of disappointment and discouragement can be a tough thing. We can sit here on this side of hard decisions and say, it's always right to do the right thing. But sometimes that goes down easy, and sometimes it's almost nigh unto impossible to get it down, hanging on to what's right. When you are faced with circumstances that have not been in your favor or things that have not gone our way, so to speak, at least for that moment, it's very difficult to hold on to balance in those, in those times and seasons. And I think of the passage of Scripture where David said uh, that my foot standeth in an even place. And I think, Lord, all the time, help me to find that place of balance in you. I, I want to find that evenness in you. And so the, the temptation to quit, and I know that primarily we are all adults here in this room today and nobody wants to really uh, throw all of our cards on the table, and I can appreciate a little bit of that. But I promise you that, that uh, if not everyone, almost everyone in this room has had an opportunity to quit. Just to, enough is enough. I don't know what else to do. And uh, when it seems like no one especially recognizes our efforts or, uh, or we feel taken for granted, it's just that, that feeling of just saying enough is enough. And I'll just I'll bow out gracefully and amen. You may be seated. <laughs> we've just all been there it doesn't matter how quiet we are subdued we are about the subject we've all been there and we just feel like enough is enough and so it's at that time that we have to remember that God in his righteousness 
is able to see. There's not one word that we utter that he doesn't have a record of. Our conversations, according to Malachi, are even recorded. (laughs) And so the government didn't just get that idea themselves. Jesus has been recording what we say forever. And uh, so... So he is interested. He knows. He knows the thought, the intent of our heart, whether we even speak it with our lips. He all. He already knows. And so, I. Uh, I have to realize that God is the righteous judge, and He will take care of all of this in the end, whatever it may be that I'm facing. All of the uncertainties. Maybe no one else notices what you've done or the contributions that you have made, the sacrifices that you have made, whether that's time, talent, finance, whatever it may be. Whatever we've done, no one else notices that. But I, w- I want to focus our attention, if I can, if I may, back to the latter portion of Genesis 41. And let's just watch this reward of Joseph as it begins to unfold. And by doing so, I think that we can discover even for ourselves uh, that, that it is okay for us to expect God and, uh, and look to the future with the expectation that God is going to bless, uh, bless our efforts. Amen. He will. I, I, wanna, I have shared the, the details of this story. I won't go into all of it, but I shared the details of a story uh, not long ago, and, and I'm just testifying here for just a moment, so don't take what I'm saying out of context uh, because it was, it was a very difficult thing to live through. But... But it, uh, many years ago, there was a, a time where uh, it was just right to do the right thing, even though it was difficult to do the right thing. And uh, it was very difficult. It was, a, it was a, an enormous situation. And I remember my wife uh, saying on more than one occasion, she said, God is going to openly reward you for this. And uh, it wasn't just something that affected just me. It affected both of us. But, uh, but she would say that again and again, and uh, that God is going to reward. God will reward. God will reward. God will re- now, I wasn't doing it for that, right. mind you, because the Lord knows the thought and the intent of your heart. So if you're just in this for a cash cow situation, I think God can lift his hand uh, from that. And so I wasn't doing that to see what I could get out of it. But I, I will tell you on this side of that, many, many, many years removed from that, I will tell you that there have been times that, that, that good things have happened. And when at the, at the threshold of those good things, I've just felt the Lord impress in my heart, this was for that. Is that too much for you? <laughs> Amen. So uh, it was just God saying, and I, I mean more than one time, more than twice, more than a, more than a half dozen times there. There have been just kind things that have just happened in my life and God has just just somehow whispered in my heart, this is for that. And I would remember the words of my wife saying, God is going to honor that and God is going to reward. And so with that being said, and, and also with keeping in balance that our heart and our intentions, our motives have got to be right, that I believe that we can look to the future with expectation that God can and will honor our faithfulness. I'm talking about the dividends of righteousness, not the dividends of self-righteousness, not the dividends of holier than thou, but I'm talking about the dividends of pure, true righteousness when we do the right thing. And so at first glance, uh, we, see, we see the scriptures that, that I read in Genesis 41, 37, and the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And so it wasn't just the eyes of Pharaoh. It wasn't just Pharaoh that was impressed or touched or moved or motivated by the spirit and the attitude of Joseph, but it was all the eyes of Joseph's serf, or of, of, uh, of Pharaoh's servants. And so what, what happened didn't happen behind a curtain. It didn't happen in secret. And so I, I pray this prayer I say, Lord, I'm asking you for our church to have favor, not just within, but to have favor without. Amen. The Bible talks about that a man needs to have a good report within and without. And so I I pray for favor. I don't want just favor between you and I, but I want favor between myself and those that are not even a part of this church. I want favor within and without. I I pray that for you as well. Give us favor within and without. 
And so here is uh, a very familiar story, and I said that, but just in case someone here would be unfamiliar with every detail, and there are those, I want to just give a little recap and some background. This is a summary of the season uh, of his life. If we were to summarize this particular season of Joseph's life, this is what it would somewhat sound like. Joseph, as a young man, uh, was hated by his brothers. This hatred was somewhat kindled. I think as just a side note, it would be only fair to say that their hatred for him was somewhat kindled by their father because there was blatant partiality uh, on the the part of the father that I think started this. If I have to be real, and I do have to be and want to be honest, but (laughs) my job demands me to be honest. Uh, But uh, it, so in just, in just keeping it real, I believe that it was his father that, that was the, the one that put the very first piece of wood on this fire because there was a real overreach of partiality that was shown uh, to Joseph. And, uh, and you know, my, my, my brothers accused my parents of doing that with me, which was all a false accusation. And uh, so I know... <laughs> horribly false accusation. But he was... He was hated by his brothers. And then Joseph didn't handle all of, he didn't handle all this limelight too good because even the Lord honored him and began to bless him. And and, and Joseph, I mean, we need to give him a little bit of room here because he was just a teenager, but the Lord gave him some dreams and instead of keeping those dreams to himself, he shared those dreams with his brothers, which only served to further ignite the fire. And so they sold him into slavery. They, they, They faked his death sold him into slavery, he was falsely accused, he was jailed, Um, on and on. It's a tremendous story to read. A man uh, that made a journey uh, much more than a decade of his life was spent uh, at the whelm of someone else over the decisions of someone else. But you see, he wasn't lost to God. And in all of this, Joseph did what was right. He he remained righteous in in the face of all of this adversity. At least two of these years were spent literally in prison, even though he was taken away the whole time. He spent a a few of these years even in prison serving time for something that he did not do. He was accused of uh, of, uh, trying to uh, take advantage of uh, a woman that that did not happen. She was the one that had eyes for him. And uh, when he turned her down in his attempt to remain righteous, she... She lied on him, and uh, but nevertheless, Joseph never gave up his faith. He never compromised his integrity. And then all of a sudden, it seems like all of a sudden, if you can say all of a sudden after all of these years, but when the, when the trial began to break, when you watch the quick succession of which God pulled him out of this situation and then began to restore his life, to restore to a place that he had never, ever been in before. He was pulled from prison. He was brought before the most powerful monarch uh, of the world at that time. Pharaoh had had some very terrifying, troubling dreams, and uh, no one uh, of, in his official camp could interpret these dreams. They couldn't tell him what this meant. And uh, Joseph, by the power of God, uh, was remembered by someone that said, there's, there's someone in prison. I met a guy one day in prison, and, and if we could just go get him. And, and uh, you know, if that, if that kind of carried the negative connotation then that it carries today, there probably wasn't a whole lot of confidence that this man with such a jaded past, or supposed jaded past, is going to be able to pull this off. Nevertheless, God did reveal the dreams uh, to Joseph, and he began to share the interpretation of them uh, to Pharaoh. And he said, this is what's going to happen. And I'm summarizing this briefly, that the economy of Egypt is about to have seven years, seven years of prosperity, but those seven years are going to be followed by seven years of famine. But Joseph didn't just interpret the dream, but he also was impressed, I, I think, still by the Spirit of God to say, here's what's going to happen and here's how we can handle it. Amen. Not, not just seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. I uh, hope you have a good day. But he said seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. And here's what we need to do. In verse number 33, Joseph says, Now therefore let, let Pharaoh look out a man, find a man discreet and wise, and set him over the land of Egypt. This is, this is A, 
This is step one. This is what you need. Find a discreet and a wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. You know, as I begin to read this, it would have been pretty easy for Pharaoh to have been offended by that statement. Uh, Why wasn't he that discreet and wise man? He said, what you need to do is find this man. And then he was told in verse 34, he said, and here's what we're going to do. You need to take a fifth part and store the grain up while there is plenty We might refer to this as a tax today. I'm not sure the language that they use, but we might refer to that as a tax. We're going to tax a certain amount, and we're going to put that away. We're going to set that aside. Pharaoh and all of his court was impressed. Here's this young man that is still, he's still a young man, and he has now given them the keys to the economy of their of their known world. This is what we can do. This is how we can handle it. This young Hebrew really sounded like he knew what he was talking about. Besides, he had an inside track, of course, with God predicting all of this. Of course, God was working Joseph. This is what we know now. God was working Joseph to this position all the while. All the while, when Joseph was thrown into the pit, he had no idea that that was the first step of leading him to the face of Pharaoh, the leader of all of Egypt. Had someone leaned over the pit and said, just look up, Joseph, you're on your way to become a great leader. (laughs) It would have been a little bit hard to fathom that at that particular moment in time. If I could say today to you, look up, you're on your way to God giving birth to greatness in your life. It may be a little bit hard to see that, through the clouds you're trying to peer through today. But God is not just moving us and putting us and placing us, setting us up and taking us down because he's playing games. God is on his way to working some things out in our life and perfecting us to be used for his service and for his glory. Amen. There's no way that Joseph could have possibly known what was about to unfold in his life. Genesis 41, 37, the Bible says... And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Verse 40, Thou shalt be over my house, And according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Amen. According unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Are you catching that? According unto thy word, whatever you say, my people are going to do. And he said then, one more added note, only in the throne will I be greater than thou. I mean, you're... You're just as close to me as you can possibly get. Only in the throne will I be greater than you. For Joseph, promotion day, to say the least, has arrived. The long trial was over. He faced test after test after test, and he remained righteous. He remained righteous. And you know, sometimes we are faced with things and you just... You just have no idea why you're going through what you're going through. Sometimes it comes to light. Other times it really doesn't come to light. I've been in situations sometimes so bizarre, I was almost looking around to see if I was on camera, candid camera. <laughs> is, is, is this really happening? I, I, you just kind of get, anybody ever been there? You're just almost suspicious. Is this, is this really true? I mean, somebody is just baiting me to see what I'm going to say or how I'm going to handle this. And uh, I've never received any dividends, so apparently I've never been on candid camera, but it sure has felt that way from time to time. But he was going to reap the rewards, the dividends of righteousness, if you please. The first part of Joseph's reward was this, the fact that God was going to give him great authority. His voice was about to be only the only voice greater than his would be the voice of Pharaoh. I mean, Joseph suddenly moved from being relatively unknown to the second highest office in Egypt. He had authority in the palace. The scripture again says, Thou shalt be over my house, 
And according to thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. Now, I think if we, if we are going to look at this in fairness, that we, we have to realize that what Pharaoh said to Joseph in this 40th verse potentially had some far-reaching implications. Because when you are in a government structure as Egypt was at that particular moment, it was a totalitarian government structure, if you please. In other words, the person at the top, Pharaoh, had absolute power, absolute authority. And so that includes the power of life and the power of death over their subjects. And so now Joseph was the ruler of Egypt, second only to Pharaoh himself. And so consider for a moment if Joseph now has been endued with this kind of power and this kind of authority, that if his heart isn't really right, he's got some scores to settle. Amen. If, if he wasn't really, really righteous, then there are some people, I'm going to tell you, it was a dreaded day in a few households when word began to leak down to the cottages, the villages. Guess who the new voice in Egypt would be? That's Joseph. Don't you think Potiphar's wife is going, uh, uh-oh. <laughs> Don't you think somebody in his life that has done him wrong and, and perhaps others that have, done, that have done him wrong. We were, Remember she lied. She was the one that caused such humiliation and his integrity to be questioned. And, and uh, how about the careless cupbearer that left Joseph in prison for another two years all because he forgot he forgot to mention him. Joseph said, hey, when you get out, remember me. And when he got out, he, for, he forgot all about Joseph. I would imagine he's had a few thoughts cross his mind. Amen. But you see, Joseph was a righteous man. He was a man that God knew could be trusted with this kind of authority. And if I put a sword in his hand, he will not use it for evil. He will not use it for evil, but he will use it for good. He had been given the power to settle the score, but it was not in his spirit. <laughs> it was not in his spirit to do that. You see, it's not up to us to get even. It's not up to us to get even. Even if you've got the power to do so, you need to be very, very careful. If you've got the power to, to do evil or the, the power to do what could, be, what could turn to evil, the power to settle the score, when you get that opportunity to crush someone, I'm going to tell you, you need to back away and take your hands off of that. Amen. A, that's not your job. That is not my job. And secondly, it's not going to be nearly as gratifying as you think it's going to be. Because there's other innocent people that are going to be involved in that decision. Other innocent people that are going to be taken down in your action, in your deeds, in your words. Amen. Amen. So, you know, those things are just better left to the hand of God. Think about what Paul said to the Romans in Romans 12 and 17. He said, recompense no, to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. And so I'm just going to have to let God take care of that. And that's not my job anyway. I'm going to let that rest in his hands. We're never to take our own revenge. That just is not an option. It doesn't belong to us. To, to, to make those wrongs right. If someone has, has wronged you and if you've been breathing very long, probably somebody has wronged you. And so we're just gonna have to let God settle all of that and wash all of that. That belongs to him and him alone. Because here's, here's how God deals with us. When you give someone mercy, you give something to them that God has already aforetime given to us. If I got what I deserved from the Lord... You can fill in those blanks. Amen. If you got what you deserved from the Lord, amen. Come on, jump down off your, your stool of self-righteousness a minute. Get in the real world. If you got what you really deserve from God, you wouldn't be in this building today. 
Amen. We, we would we'd be washed ashore a long time ago because Isaiah said if we just gathered all of our righteousness together, if we could put it all in one place, it would just be filthy rags. Amen. We're called upon to give people what they need, not what they deserve. And you know what? We find this played out in many, many other areas outside of the church. And so I think if people outside of the context of the Holy Ghost can do this, how much more ought people with the Holy Ghost be able to do this? When a policeman arrives on the scene of a drunk driver, they're not the judge, they're not the jury. Amen. When a, when a paramedic arrives on the scene of something like that, you know what? When somebody swims out further than they should have swam, the lifeguard doesn't stand up on his bench and say, well, you shouldn't have swam past the ropes. Didn't you see all those buoys out there? No, he just, he grabs his life preserver and swims at the risk of his own life. Amen. And so if people outside the context of church can, can give people what they need and not what they deserve, amen. I'm 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 going to make ask a question here, and I'll just I'll just I'll let all this just resonate with us. But how many times have we just said, "Well, they got they got what they deserve"? Amen. <laughs> we we say stuff like that because we're just so human. But it's not what we deserve. It's not what people deserve that they need. Uh, they, they, they need that they need, that we need to hand them. We need to meet their need. That's what God has done for all of us. Not what we deserve, but what we need. Besides Joseph's authority and all the palace, he was also given authority beyond the palace. The Bible says, "I have set thee over." all the land of Egypt. So you're not just in this little gated community here, but over all the land of Egypt. The beginning portion of this lets us know that Joseph that Joseph also had financial authority. Genesis 41:42 the Bible says, "And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand." Now that's very important to understand that and especially in context because the ring of Pharaoh was not just an ornament. But the word ring in the original comes from a root that means to sink, to sink. It was Pharaoh's official seal, in other words. And it gave Joseph uh, the use of his uh, limitless wealth. And so when a document was signed or sealed with wax or with clay, the, the, the ring or the signet of the king would be pressed into that. That was validation. That was like, uh, that was like something being notarized. It was official. And so it would be the same thing as having a credit card with an unlimited balance to do whatever you needed to be done, whatever needed to be purchased. Joseph had the authority in his hand to seal that and, and pay for all the things that were in the vast storehouses of Pharaoh. Not only did Joseph have new wealth, but according to the latter portion of verse number 42, he was given clothes, garments to match his new position. The Bible says that he arrayed him, that Pharaoh arrayed him in vestures of fine linen. Joseph still has to still be trying to comprehend. <laughs> I mean, he's got to be trying to wrap his mind around all that has happened. Amen. All these things, all these changes, all these things that are coming to me so very, very rapidly. In our prison ministry, we've had the opportunity on more than uh, a couple of occasions here to, to be with men upon their release. Uh, men, certainly not uh, all that long ago, a couple of years ago, was with a man uh, that had been released from prison after serving tw 23 and a half years, I think, for Scotty. And, and uh, 23 and a half years, a false accusation was made against him, and it was proven in the court of law 23 uh, years later. Uh, and just think about that. The accuser come forth and said that they were, they were lying because they had been manipulated. It was a horrible thing. But to watch this man walk out of prison after 23 and a half years, wow, wow, wow. It was, it, was, uh, it was so hard for him to comprehend how much the world had changed in all of this period of time. I remember going with him to the very first restaurant in 23 years to sit down, to hold a menu, to, to be called sir. <laughs> what, what a change. I mean, Joseph has got all of these things going on in his life. All this is just happening. New things are happening. And so then, then the Bible says, and this really appeals to all the men in the house, that 
Genesis 41, 43, and he made him a, uh, to ride in the second chariot that he had. And uh, he, he wasn't riding in Pharaoh's chariot, but he was, he was riding in the one part right beside it. This is yours. You do with it as you will. The second chariot, second only to Pharaoh. Now everywhere Joseph went, he would only be slightly less magnificent than the leader of this honored man, Pharaoh. Joseph's only boss, his only voice would be Pharaoh himself. The second part of Joseph's reward uh, was a new name. And uh, the Bible says in verse 45 that Pharaoh called Joseph's name uh, Zaphnath-Paneah. Amen, Zaphnath-Paneah. And uh, why, why would you change your name or why would you have a new name? I think uh, there was probably more political interest behind the changing of his name than anything because we have to remember that Joseph was not an Egyptian. And now he's been given power over all of these Egyptians. But he doesn't even have a name that even remotely sounds Egyptian. And so Pharaoh said, you know what? It may be in my best political interest to, to give Joseph an Egyptian name. But that name has a meaning. And that name means that God speaks and lives. Amen. God speaks and lives. Amen. In addition to these added blessings, he was also given a new wife. And so we look at Joseph's life at this point. He's been brought out of prison. He's been given all kind of authority, not just limited authority, but unlimited authority over those that were a part of the land of Egypt, over the finances of Egypt. He was given uh, new garments to wear. He was given a new chariot to ride in. Now he's been given a new wife. And so if we look at this particular passage and just stop everything here, it's, it's hard. It's, we can hardly keep from being reminded of the words of Jesus in Matthew 25 when he said, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Amen. How did, how did God know he could trust Joseph in Egypt? I'm going to tell you the way God knew that is God was watching him in the pit. He was watching him in Potiphar's house. He was watching him at the hands of Potiphar's wife. He was watching how he dealt with the baker and the butler. He was watching. God was saying he can take this. He can do this because if you can be abased, you can probably be lifted. Amen. It's a, and so that, that, that faithfulness over the few things because Joseph proved himself to be faithful. A God could trust him. Sometimes the rewards of righteousness are, are, are on the earth or the rewards of righteousness on the earth are, are, are to us just like they are to Joseph. Sometimes they come to us now. God blesses us in some way. But you know what? If those blessings don't always, they don't always come to us now. And if and when they don't, we need to re remember that our rewards are going to come. That's what the judgment seat of Christ is all about. It's there that God is going to reward. And so we shouldn't say, well, I'm not going to do that because I'm not going to get any benefit of it from it now. But we will be benefited from that because God knows exactly every sacrifice that we have ever made for his kingdom and his cause. Amen. So listen to some passages about our reward. The Bible says in Matthew 16 and 27, for the son of man shall come in the glory of his father with his angels and, uh, and then shall he reward every man according to his work. And so I say, if God is going to reward us according to our work, I'm going to tell you, don't be late. Amen. Give everything you have. Give all that you have. Stay late. Work hard. Give everything that you can. Listen, don't worry about wearing out for the cause of the kingdom. God will empower us. God will strengthen us. I, as someone said many, many years ago, I'd rather wear out than rust out, and there's a lot of truth to that. I don't want to just sit down in the corner and wait for the Lord to come, but I want to give everything that I have to the kingdom. Revelation 22 and 12, and behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man, here it is again, according as his work shall be. One more time in the book of Corinthians, Paul said to Corinth, but it as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have it entered into the heart of man. Now let's just pause right there. Amen. I have not seen 
Ear hath not heard, it has not even entered into the heart of man. Now that is a broad statement. If you've traveled anywhere very much and you begin to see what man can create, what man can think to do, all, all, all one would have to do is just go through the gates of Disney World and, 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 and see what was in the mind and the heart of Walt Disney himself and you think, how could a man even imagine to do such things and then pull it off? And that may seem like a dated illustration and to some degree is, but many, many other places around the world when we think of what man has built with their own hands, when we were in Nashville just a few weeks ago, when we looked around downtown, those beautiful skyscrapers, and you just think, more than once I stared out the window and I just thought, how in the world can somebody even think to do something like this? And then if you can think to do it, how can you pull it off? And and uh, and I'm sure that pales in comparison to, to other uh, even... Uh, larger cities around our nation, but when you see all that man has done. So we shouldn't just read this too quickly in 1 Corinthians. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard. It has not ever even entered into the heart of one man that is living, amen, the things which God has prepared for them that love him. I'm gonna tell you dividends of righteousness belong to the church. And so you just keep standing straight. Keep your shoulders square. Do what's right. And God is going to reward. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. I'll say more about our reward in just a moment. But let's not forget that Joseph was, was, was just... Uh, that, let's not forget that Joseph was not just being blessed for the sake of being blessed. Amen. All of this authority came with great responsibility. Amen. Joseph was now given the task of implementing you know, he didn't just have to stand there and talk about it. And he said, what you need to do is find this man. You need to find this person. This is the kind of man you need to look for, and you need to put that man in charge of it. And Pharaoh says, okay, well, you're the man. Wow. So now i got to stand up and do what I've been talking about doing. And so he's given the task of implementing this. His first step was to survey the situation. Now, remember that Joseph... This is not his country. This is not his land. He's just simply been a prisoner in this land. He could not uh, up to now move about of his own free will. The plan that God had given him was now this massive grain collection program. One-fifth of all the produce is uh, of the seven fruitful years. We're going to store that away. We're going to put that away. It was stored in, in uh, no doubt, giant granaries in the cities that it was collected from. Amen. That was a wise move, not only from a distribution point of view, but it was also going to, it was also going to help these people who were Egyptians have confidence in this man who was not an Egyptian. Because he wasn't just saying, give me your wares, give me one-fifth and trust me. But he was saying, give me one-fifth and watch me. We're going to put it right over here. We're going to put it right here and you're going to be able to see that this is where your grain is going. This is not being vaporized. This is not being abused. We're going to put it right over here. You can't imagine. The storms are not, the clouds are not hanging low. The wind's not blowing, but there's a storm coming. There's a storm coming. And so it was a very smart, wise thing to do. They could see where their grain was being, was being stored. Egypt was experiencing seven years of plenty. And so to validate that statement, look at verse number 49. Joseph gathered the corn as the sand of the sea very much, very much until he left numbering for it was without number. Now, if the scripture says that he left numbering, it implies to me that he was numbering. He was measuring. He started out measuring. In other words, uh, you know, he said, okay, we're gonna put this much, but after a while, there was such plenty. There was such plenty until Joseph said, just stop measuring it. Just haul it in here, fellas. Just don't worry about it. Just bring it. Just pile it up. It doesn't matter how many pounds. It doesn't matter how many of this. It doesn't matter how many of that. Amen. We don't even have scales to even measure this. Beginning in verse 50, then we see Joseph now on a more personal level, God is blessing him with a family. Amen. I, I might pause to note here that some people, you know, they do just fine in adversity but sometimes the things that are brought to us in adversity are lost in prosperity. 
Don't ever forget where you come from. Don't ever forget where you come from. Brother Ray Johnson, I don't pretend to, uh, to have a personal friendship with him. I just know him from a, a distance, had the privilege to meet him. I've shared this story before, but I've got a reason to bring it up again. Pastoring in the great city uh, there in, in southern Louisiana, God has blessed them beyond the telling and what they have been able to accomplish not only here in America and in the state of Louisiana, but their efforts around the world right there out of Denham Springs. And, uh, and so I, as I was privileged to be at his church one Sunday morning, not preaching, I was just there, Brother Williams was preaching, and we were in his office before church, and, and you're just walking around this beautiful facility. I mean, uh, there must have been somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,500 people there that morning, and we're just kind of just kind of knocked over by everything that's going on. And we went into the sanct- into his office. In his office, there was a little picture, just a little small picture of a small, humble church. And I asked him, I said, Brother Johnson, what is this? He said, that's where we started. And I keep that hanging in my office because I don't ever want to forget where we started. I don't ever want to forget where we came from. And so last week, we were at General Conference, and uh, my wife has heard me tell that story not just here but many times through the years after I had that experience. And so we were walking through out of the service one night and uh, just a mass of people trying to get through the big lobby there. And I pointed out, I said, you see him, you see him? That, that's the man, that's the man, that's the man with a picture on his office wall. I, I don't ever want to forget that, that touch, that impress, that pushed something into my spirit. Amen. I don't want to forget what God has brought me from. I don't want us to ever forget as a church where God has brought us from. Amen. I don't want to lose, I don't want something to come to me in adversity and me lose that in prosperity. Amen. I don't want something to come to me in hard times and me lose that just because I'm in another chapter of my life, another season of my life. Amen. Amen. I want to. I want to hang on, not just through the tough years, and with a commitment. I want to be committed to God today. Amen. That's how Joseph was. Let's look at his home and his life, and uh, we're going to quickly bring this to a close. Amen. Look at Joseph's home and and, and his life and his family as it begins to grow. In in verse number fifty one. The Bible says children now are being born, and Joseph called the name of his firstborn Manasseh. You ready? For God, he said, hath made me to forget all my toil and all my father's house. Amen. (laughs) Let me read verse 52 and we'll move on to that. And the name of the second he called Ephraim, for God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. So even in Egypt, he's honoring God, considering the name he named his first son Manasseh to forget. And I, I'm not countering or contradicting what I just said because this name means to take away the sting or the hurt of memory. There's some things in our past we want to let go of. There's a part of our past I want to hold on to because I want to know. I want to know. Amen. The sting. And so if we're hanging on to bitterness because you think you can't forget, we've got to surrender. We've got to say, Lord, here it is. Here it is. There may be someone right here in this room who needs to give birth to a Manessa this morning. Amen. By that, I mean you need to forgive someone before it's too late and you die in your sin because that is a sin. Amen. We need to forgive. We need to move on. The name of his second son was Ephraim. That is also significant because he said, For God hath caused me to be fruitful. In the land of my affliction. <laughs> Even when I was down, God brought me in the land of affliction. God brought all this to him in Egypt. I think that's so important to remember that God didn't take him somewhere else to bless him, but he blessed him right where he was. He learned that you can be blessed in a foreign place. After seven years of prosperity, the famine came to the land just as God had promised. It was bred because of the faithfulness of a young man named Joseph. And if I could pause here long enough this morning to just say this. I would admonish all of us, no matter what our station in life, that we need to realize that God still sees the potential in us and what we can and what we will do for God or have the ability to do for God. It's never too early to recognize what God is doing in our life. Let's stand if we can together. So now we ask ourselves, how then does this antiquated story 
how does that relate to us? I think I see multiple truths that are worth keeping. Joseph could have easily allowed himself to be consumed with bitterness as he sat and brooded over the events of his life because they were unfair. There is no doubt. He didn't ask to be born. He certainly didn't ask to be favored. He didn't ask for the dreams that God gave him. He didn't ask for the hatred of his brothers. He didn't ask to be sold into slavery. He didn't ask to be lied on. He didn't ask to be imprisoned. He didn't ask to be forgotten. He asked for none of this. None of this. But nevertheless, these hands of God was molding and shaping him for something much, much larger. And so I don't want to be defeated by my past, and that's a choice that I have to make. Amen. The story of Joseph's life is really and truly, if ever there was, a rags-to-riches storyline. We're reading it today. Joseph went from prison rags to palace riches, but he never wavered in his faithfulness to God. He was still the same man, whether high or low, broke or blessed. It took Joseph 13 years to understand what God was doing in his life. Amen. He, didn't really, he couldn't really figure it out. Then he began to see that God was not just saving him, but God was placing him in a position to the preservation of his own family that had turned his back on him. Righteousness really does have dividends. Amen. Heavenly dividends, spiritual dividends. I'm very, very thankful that someone before me set the trajectory straight and we're able to walk past today, we're walking because someone else realized that even if it doesn't happen for me, I'm going to do the right thing because somebody else will be blessed. No greater, no greater example than that of David who desired to build a house for God and God said, no. And David could have gone home mad, bitter, but he didn't. He spent the rest of his life saying, if I can't build it, I'll help the generation that can. And when it came time to build the Solomon's temple, think about it. David already had all sorts of things in place. I'm thankful for righteous dividends, aren't you? Can we lift our hands and love the Lord together in Jesus' name? This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386 935 2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.